Welcome to the EQ Podcast. All right, welcome to the EQ Podcast, a show focused on equipping ministry leaders in the Pacific Northwest in our Calvary Chapel Association. I'm your host, Zach Lamerson, and with me is Pastor Steve Winery. And we have on the show today, Pastor Paul Laboudier from Calvary Chapel, Ontario in Oregon. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing well, thank you. I noticed on your website you guys make mention of the fact that you guys get, um, people think you're in Canada pretty routinely. All the time. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> All the Well, and it probably, it doesn't help, you know, that our city is Ontario and my last name is French-Canadian. So you you put those things together and it's just a ball of confusion. <laughs> and you're you're in a weird time zone. I didn't know this till I went down to to Emmett to do a New Year's yeah. service down as I'm driving down through Oregon. You guys are in a different time zone than we are in Washington, which is strange right. and it's just like a little jet out in Oregon that's in a, you know the mountain time zone and then you guys are like really part of Idaho as well because yep. you know your city's right on the border, so you've kind of right. got some <laughs> weird demographics going. It's weird all the way around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think you should speak with a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> People call you asking about Canada. That's what you know, I would if I could, but I I don't think I'm that intelligent. So. Paul, well, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, would you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, you know, your ministry, and, and maybe how you got into ministry in the first place? Wow. Well, uh, how long is the podcast? We got uh, we got some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I uh, I started in the ministry just after my wife and I had gone through kind of a marital crisis, and the Lord brought healing and restoration into our marriage, and we got kind of pulled into. Uh, working with a youth group. And I discovered quite um, by my surprise that I enjoyed teaching the Bible. And um, from that, eventually that particular church, which was not a Calvary chapel, uh, brought me on staff. I spent some time as a uh, as a youth pastor and then uh, did a little bit of Bible college up in the Seattle area. And then um, really was very... Uh, very satisfied with living in Seattle at the time. This was back in the eighties and uh, thought that I would probably stay there forever, but uh, the Lord had other plans and brought us down to Eastern Oregon where we ended up starting a church. And after about the first year after planting it, uh, we affiliated with Calvary Chapel and um, we've just uh, been walking in the grace of God ever since. How did you get involved in Calvary Chapel in the first place then? Was it through uh, your connection in Seattle then? Yes, primarily, although I wasn't really aware of it. When I was when I was um, in Seattle, my tent-making job was broadcast radio, and I was working in Christian radio up in Seattle. And um, one day, a couple of Calvary Chapel pastors came into the studio looking for someone to produce the radio program for one of the guys. And, and that was Chuck Lind, who was in Olympia, Washington at the time. Yeah. And um, I frankly kind of needed the money. And, and so I said, yeah, I'll do it. So Chuck Lind started sending me his teachings. This is back on cassette tape. And I would produce them into 
15 minute radio program, ship them back to Olympia where they would air on the radio station there. And I did that for seven years. And so here I am being exposed, you know, daily to chapter by chapter, verse by verse teaching. So I tell Chuck Lind, who now lives in our area here in the Treasure Valley, that uh, he's the one who really kind of exposed me in those early years uh, to that type of didactic sort of teaching. And um, so when we came down here, I was already in the groove of teaching verse by verse, even though we weren't a Calvary chapel. Um, and and then over a, a period of interesting circumstances, uh, we just got connected with some Calvary people who ended up taking me to a um, pastor's conference. The first one I ever went to was down in Lake Tahoe. Pastor Chuck was still attending all of the regional conferences, of course, back then. And uh, I got a chance to just hobnob with the guys and find out what it meant to be a Calvary Chapel pastor. And uh, it was shortly after that that we affiliated. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you get your journey to Ontario. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about, about that. Like, I want to know, just because we have guys who are praying about starting churches or planning churches, what did that look yeah. like for you to get out there? Because that's kind of obscure. Like we said, we don't, Ontario, I thought Canada when I first heard it, you know, most people sure. do. I've never, I never had heard of Ontario, Oregon until I met you. And so I, I didn't know where it was. And then, you know, it's pretty close to Idaho, pretty close to, well, right, it is Idaho somewhat. And then it's really pretty close to Boise and a lot of those, yeah. uh, you know, Treasure Valley chap- Calvary yeah. chapels down there. Yeah, about half of our congregation lives in Idaho and the other half in Oregon. So we're we're a mixed group of people. But, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I had a friend that I went to college with up in Seattle who got a job as a youth pastor in Boise. And this was probably in 85. And he asked if I would help him move uh, down to Boise. And I'd never been to Boise, Idaho. Well, of course, when you come down on the freeway, that takes you right through Ontario, Oregon. Yep. And I remember driving through this area thinking to myself, Lord, I don't ever want to live in a place like this. You know, I I loved Seattle and how green it was. The rain didn't bother me. And this, like you guys, this is high desert. And so it's, it's a dry, we call it the Brown side of Oregon. And so um, it, it was, it was not an area that I was looking to move to by any stretch when we were up in Seattle through a, a, a series of, personal connections, I had been contacted about a church here in Ontario that was struggling to find a pastor because they had gotten involved in some bad doctrine over the years. They'd gotten involved in what we came to know as the heavy shepherding movement, where people were told what to do you know, by their pastor in a very uh, domineering sort of a way. And of course, the church just began to implode. And they had such a poor community image. Nobody wanted to pastor the church anymore. So we were called upon to come down and check out and see, uh, give my opinion, I guess is the best way to put it, on what should be done with the church. And and frankly, we came down for the simple reason that we kind of needed a weekend off and away. Mm. And we thought it'd be kind of fun, you know, to drive down so we we came down, spent the weekend with the, oh, maybe dozen or so people that remained in this church. Literally, it was like a dozen people. And it was as bad as I had heard. They all needed to just go somewhere and get healthy, you know. 
So we went back up to Seattle, contacted the people that had contacted us and said, yeah, we think you should you should just close the door on that little church and just encourage those people to just go find a good Bible teaching church and so forth. And they said, yeah, okay, fine. And then that was the end of the conversation. Well, over a period of days, the Lord just kept bringing this little church fellowship um, to my heart and to Sue's heart. And um, we eventually contacted the people that were living down here in Ontario and were still part of the fellowship there. Again, there was no pastor. There were just like two or three families that had been kind of left in charge, you know. And um, I called one of the guys and I just said, listen, um, I just have, a, I'm not, I can't get your little town and church out of my head. And I'm just wondering if this is the Lord. So, and I told him straight out, I said, I'm not willing to come and pastor your church, but what would you think about us coming down and just starting a brand new fellowship? And whoever wants to stay can stay. Whoever wants to go can go, but we'll just start from scratch because they had a building and they had property. And, um, I remember this guy said to me, listen, you know, we, we built this and they literally built the church with their own hands. He said, we built this place to be a church. So we'd rather it be a church than something else. Cause they were resigned to the fact that their church was coming to an end. And he said, yeah, let's just, let's do it. Um, so a few months later um, we did just that. We moved lock, stock and barrel down to Ontario and started. And we started with about 10 to 12 people. And um, all of them, except one family, had left. And in fact, that one family is still with us today, almost 33 years later. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And um, so, yeah, it's just been it's just been uh, the grace of God ever since. So, Paul, with, um, with that whole thing, uh, the the church coming out of that kind of doctrine. Yeah. Um, what kind of repercussions did you have, uh, like specifically with those those families? Well, they most of those families had realized the error that they had been involved in, and they were um, the Lord was already doing a work of bringing them out. I, I'll be honest, the worst repercussions were was the community image that was mm -hmm. left behind because the community had also gotten wind of the issues that had gone on there and the dangers and the and the excesses and so forth. And so I would say it took us a good two years to live down that image because um, I think people in the community just assumed that we were the same church with a different window dressing. And when in fact, I had nothing to do with that original fellowship, but you know, community images can die very slowly. And that was the biggest issue that we dealt with. How many uh, how many people were going to the church before you came uh, before it fell apart? Do you know? I think at their heyday, they probably got up to a couple of hundred folks. Um, how long they had been decreasing, I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's just amazing to me um, that even if a church is small, yeah, uh, when they when they go through something like that, the impact it has on the people uh, mm -hmm. that have been involved and sometimes family members down, you know, down for a long time afterwards. And then yeah. obviously in the community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a good lot of legalism that was going on in the church. They were convincing people that they, the church, that little church, that five acres of property 
was the kingdom of God and to leave the church was to leave the kingdom of God. And there was a lot of that kind of um, manipulation, spiritual manipulation that was going on. And that was, it was very, very um, damaging. I, I heard from the people that I met that there were many people and many families that had not just left the church, but had actually walked away from the Lord because of it. So, yeah. Have you, my, I'm curious, have you grown to like the area of Oregon? I assume you have the dryness, the lack of rain. Is it, has it grown on you? Yeah, it has. Um, I, it has. Yes. I, I, it, it took a while. I will say, in fact, I remember we, we'd been here about six months and I still was not feeling socially acclimated yet just because Seattle, you know, to Ontario, Oregon is a pretty huge jump. And I remember getting up one morning uh, before the family was awake. I went out on the couch and I was just sitting there and spending time with the Lord. And I was praying <laughs> and I was saying, I said to the Lord, Lord, what am I doing here? And <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I just sensed the Lord's still small voice saying to me very simply, I love these people. And I love them just as much as I loved those people in Seattle. And, and you know, it was a very humbling thing that the Lord shared with me that that communicated to me that we were right where he wanted us to be. And um, that was kind of a watershed event for me to just kind of put all of my own reservations aside and just and just be here, you know. So, Paul, I know your YouTube channel is like off the charts. You guys have an amazing YouTube channel. Um, presence, you know, a lot of tons of like hundreds of thousands of subscribers, which is crazy. How have you grown that ministry? And is it something you'd obviously you'd encourage others to do, but how would you kind of encourage them to do that? I get that question, uh, honestly, from pastors uh, a bit. And we didn't, we never tried to grow our YouTube channel. That was never a goal. Um, back in 2011, one of my AV guys just simply recommended that we start uploading my teachings to YouTube. We'd been putting them on other platforms up to that point, but it was around 2010, 2011 that YouTube really was starting to come into its own and gain popularity. The platforms, you know, between Android and iPhone were all coming together with the same apps. And, and um, so at the time we thought, you know, yeah, let's, um, Let's put those on YouTube because our, you know, if somebody misses a teaching from our fellowship, they'll be able to catch up, you know, on, on whatever study we're doing. Never had any inclination that someone outside our fellowship would find us or even uh, want to listen to those teachings. And so it it really came as a huge surprise when that began to happen. But honestly, it was really during the pandemic that things exploded. I mean, we were probably at somewhere around 30,000 subscribers uh, in 2019. But when the pandemic hit, in one year, we increased by, well, we reached 100,000 in a very short period of time. Now we're at 183 or 84,000. But it was really from two, 2020 to 21 that caused this huge growth because, you know, people couldn't go to church. Well, in a lot of places and in a lot of countries, 
uh, people were locked down. And um, so, you know, they were just looking for ways to stay fed. And I had been uploading teachings for so long, I had the whole Bible, the whole Bible up on YouTube, you know, Genesis to Revelation, the whole thing. So it it, it, it appealed to people to be able to go through the entire Bible. Um, and I think that's probably what m really made the difference. Have you put any like resources, money? I know you put staff towards it, but like money towards like actually improving like ads and stuff and, and doing that kind of stuff on YouTube, or has it just all been organic? Yeah, yeah it's all been organic. Because yeah. I was curious, because I remember, I, you know, you have a, a, I believe it's your daughter and, and son-in-law, or maybe it's the other way around, who are YouTubers. I mean, that's yeah. what they do for a living. And I yeah. know they, they're probably putting money into that stuff, so they haven't influenced you at all with that? <laughs> I don't think they've influenced us, and that's my son and daughter-in-law. Yeah, there you, you know, they, they have like 1.8 million subscribers on YouTube. But, you know, and, and we get advice from time to time. Sometimes I'll say, I want to buy a new camera or a new microphone or something like that, and I'll go to my son because he's, he's in the thick of that. Uh, but other than that... Um, no, I mean, they, they work so hard uh, doing what they do. And uh, I feel like we're just, I'm just, do, I'm just pastoring a church and it's my AV guy that does all the work. I mean, he does the editing and the uploading and, and we just sit back and just kind of watch things happen. That's awesome. Yeah. And you guys, I know like Steve gets this too. We get letters from all over the world, people yeah. pretty routinely saying hey, how this is impacting, like, you know, people who don't have a home church say, this is, yeah. my, we consider this our home church. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and we've been getting people traveling to Ontario, Oregon, which is crazy, <laughs> which is crazy. You know, they write to me and they say, I just really want to come visit your church. I want to come to Ontario. And I write them back and I say, you're going to be disappointed. You, know, when, <laughs> you, know, you built it up and, too much. Yeah, I know. Well, they, they, I don't know if people think we live in a metropolis or something, but, and, and people will write and they'll say, well, what's there to do in Ontario? And I say nothing. Uh, <laughs> you, you need to go to Boise, and, yeah. I, and I tell them all the things they can do around Boise. But you know, here in Ontario, it's like no, you, you don't. This is not a, a destination spot. I just uh, probably a month ago, I had on on two subsequent Sundays, I had two, I had people from uh, some town in South Dakota come yeah. out, and they specifically came out because because of the whole YouTube thing. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. All, every Sunday wow. in July, we had people come from Canada, Texas, uh, Louisiana. <laughs> um, I mean, every single Sunday, we had people coming and saying, this is what we came to do, just to go to church here you know, for the weekend. <laughs> and it just blows me oh, away. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, it is really crazy. Praise the Lord. In fact, one gal came from South Africa. Are you uh, kidding come, me? Wow. No, to come to church. Yeah, she was she's a delight. Wow. Yeah. You know, I noticed, you know, we've been we started our YouTube channel about the same time and we don't we haven't had that same amount of growth, uh but it's, you know, it's been a far-reaching, you know, I would say yeah. outreach. It's done yeah. done a lot of things in a lot of places, which is cool. But I I really found that like the you know, common denominator between what you have done and what we're doing is just being consistent to put all of our stuff up there and just kind of, yeah. you know, we weren't super organized for a long time. There wasn't a lot of like flash and, you know, we, we didn't have two cameras for a long time. And so, right. you know, it's like, there's just some real basic things that you, you don't have to be flashy. You don't have to have the, the draw. I, no. And I encourage guys when they're thinking about this, I'm like, why wouldn't you put it on there? It doesn't cost you a dime. Right. I mean, 
Yeah, and the potential is so great. You know, when we when we first recognized that some people outside our fellowship were watching, after we got over the shock of that, we started to pray that God would use those messages in places where, um, you know, the gospel is uh, dangerous to talk yeah. about. Uh, we began to pray, you know, that that the message would get into Muslim nations and and other places where. Um, they could in their in the privacy of their home hear the gospel and learn about what the Bible has to say. And um the potential there is just incredible to reach people for the Lord. Have you had that happen? Muslim countries? You know, yes, yes, absolutely. I've had quite a bit of um back and forth with people in Pakistan um and and some other uh places, and some of them are Muslim, some uh, a lot from India as well, you know, where you're dealing with those particular religious, religious persuasions. But yeah, 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 it's it's been interesting. Yeah, we've had some guys from Afghanistan, a guy from Pakistan, yeah. and that's really interesting. That's that's yes. a that's a very cool thing. Yes, it is. Yeah, and I've told guys too, as far as setup, setup, because I you know I get a lot of tech questions. Like your yeah. phone can record you and live stream you on YouTube, and it yeah. actually will probably do better than most cameras out there right now. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why someone can't do it. And that's you know I just wanted to point that out because I feel like it's such a cool ministry teaching through the Bible verse by verse. It's not unique, but it's needed, and there's a lot of Christian culture oh, that doesn't boy. have it. And so if they can grab onto it, man, it's it's awesome. If there so, is Paul, one consistent message that I have heard from people who are, are watching from all parts of the world is we don't have this in our area. There's nobody teaching through the Bible. They will occasionally reference the Bible in a 30 to 45 minute uh, message that has nothing to do with the scripture they just read, but we don't have people actually teaching us what the Bible says, or what a book of the Bible is all about. It's just, it's gotten to be very, very rare in in many parts of the world, and that's a shame. And so we have this incredible opportunity to be able to share um, the systematic teaching of the Word. It's really amazing. So, Paul, if you're, if you're going to tell a guy who hasn't, who hasn't gotten on YouTube, I, you know, I can't imagine that, that most younger guys... Uh, today don't know how to do this stuff. Yeah. But if you were going to tell them how to do it and how to get started, you know, kind of a nuts and bolts thing, what would you tell them? Uh, well, kind of like Zach was saying, start small, start simple. Um, you know, I th we started with a with a home, you know, camera. <laughs> you know, one of the kind of little uh, handy cam or something like that by Sony, I think. And and the picture quality was awful. Mm. And uh, but. You know, you start, you do what you can do. Cameras are so much better, as you were saying now. Um, being able to record with a, a cell phone camera and um, and and uh, and the and the audio from whatever source you're getting it from, it it's easy to edit these things today. Pretty much anybody can do this, and just start uploading the things to YouTube. It doesn't it doesn't take a lot these days, uh, frankly, to do it and to look good and to sound good. Yeah. Comparatively, I was just thinking back, you know, you edited radio programs back in the 80s. How long did it take you, I just want, just for my own reference, to edit one program back then? Well, you do everything in real time. So, um, you know, I would imagine a 15-minute 
radio program would probably take about 45 minutes to listen through, figure out what you want to do, what areas you want to edit in and so forth, and then put it all together. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we still, in our radio program, still listen in real time. So not all, not nothing, that part hasn't changed. I was just curious. Um, so yeah. your wife is on staff at the church. I know she's a huge support and, you know, she organizes pretty well. I've, I've talked to some of your staff about it actually, and just her, her skill set and what she does there. Can you yeah. give our guys a, you know, a feel for what that looks like and how she's, you know, how helpful she's been to your ministry there? Uh, yeah, I suppose I can. Um, my my wife has well she's a she's first of all a, a a bible teacher in her own right and way more popular on the retreat circuit than i am she <laughs> she does several women's retreats around the country every year and uh, has gotten to be in a, a fairly in demand speaker but a, at the church uh she does so many things she oversees our worship ministry she oversees uh, our financial ministry she does all of our personnel um just so many things and what do you do paul uh, <laughs> i i sit around and teach the bible that that's about it yeah 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 no and, she it, it's fantastic you know sue didn't come on staff obviously until our kids were grown and out of the house uh, because she she actually homeschooled all four of our kids from kindergarten through graduation and um, so she was a very, very busy woman during those years because she also was doing what she could, of course, at the church. She was never uninvolved. She mm -hmm. she was always involved in some capacity, uh, whether worship ministry or children's ministry and women's ministry. But once she was able to come on staff, oh, I tell you, what a delight. I mean, she does so many things for me behind the scenes. Um, you were talking about our YouTube channel and I used to try to act, answer every single email that we received uh, that was like, you know, Bible question related or whatever. And I was spending, uh, I was spending two hours a day, you know, just answering Bible questions. Well, that got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So Sue is now the one who fields all those questions, whether they oh, come awesome. on the YouTube channel or through our website or whatever. And she puts them into a uh, single document, a Google document. And uh, then once a month, we do uh, about an hour long Q&A. In fact, we just got done recording it today, uh, this morning. And um, so, but she does all of that organization and administration for me. She is just an enormous help. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. So again, we, we've had other guests on and some of them have their wives on staff. Some of them, you know, their wives help out, their worship leaders or whatnot. And then, you know, just kind of Depends on, I guess, your relationship dynamic, how that works. And like you said, with your kids, with you guys, you wait till your kids were out of the house or graduated at least before she yeah. was able to fully engage, which I think was wise too. Well, you know, one of our philosophies of ministry over the years with other women was if you have small children in the home, that needs to be your primary focus. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're you're taking care of those kids and nurturing them. And and uh, we, we tried to discourage women from getting too involved in other areas of ministry um, while they still had children in the home, because the last thing we wanted to do was to cause them to neglect, you know, their ministry in the home. And so um, it, it was just kind of consistent with the way we treated other ladies, other women and that sort of thing. 
Um, but you know, and you, and you said that, uh, a pastor's wife can sometimes be dependent on the relation dynamic there. It's also very dependent on her gifting, uh, yeah. because obviously the, these women are gifted very differently, uh, as far as pastor's wives go. And, and, um, I think that there's a lot of pressure on a a wife to conform to particular standards that people have as far as expectations for a pastor's wife. And not every pastor's wife fits those expectations in terms of her gifting. And so that can be a very, very challenging thing for a woman to deal with, for a pastor's wife specifically. Yeah. One of the questions my wife always got was, do you play the piano? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and of course mine never did because she does <laughs> and, you know, and she, she plays very well. In fact, in the early days of our church, Sue and I led worship, you know, because there was uh -huh. nobody else to do it, you know, uh -huh. and, and, uh, and Sue's really good at what she does. And I just barely, you know, got along, but um, my wife is one of those crazy ladies who is multi-talented and does so many things so well that I can't imagine doing ministry without her. And I'm, I know I'm talking to two guys whose wives are incredibly involved in ministry as well. And I, I would venture to bet that you guys feel the same. Oh, Absolutely. 100%. Oh, yeah. My wife makes me look good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I know what that's like. Yeah. Uh, you also have several young guys on staff, you know, just looking and I've, you know, I've met Aaron and then his, his younger brother, I assume is your youth pastor. So yeah. like, how do you cultivate that? I know there's some guys they're looking, they want to get the younger guys involved. They want to, they want to raise up that generation. How have you cultivated that at your church? Um, you know what? The, both of those guys started coming to our fellowship. I think Aaron, who's, you know, my assistant, I think he was um, maybe five or six years old. Uh, when when his family started attending our fellowship and Ryan was even younger. Um, so they were cultivated just in the life of the fellowship. And that's to me is, is the most effective way. I've never honestly really had to reach out um, and, and like hire outside of the fellowship. I had one guy who um, was raised up through the fellowship. He went away was involved in ministry for a while, and I did draw him back to be a, a, a um, in in area. He was a he was a youth ministry worship leader, an AV tech person, um, but he had also come up through the fellowship. So I don't know that I, I've never really tried to nurture that sort of a thing. It's just happened organically. Yeah, Steve knows something about that. I mean, as far as bringing people back who try to leave, yeah. he's had guys who <laughs> tried to get away. Yeah. Brandon's coming back, Paul. Is he really? Yeah. <laughs> Once yeah. again. Once again, Brandon. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's really right. cool. But he was an so, outside hire. He was yeah. one guy that we brought in from the outside. But yeah. oh, okay. We, okay. We knew him, though. <laughs> we did know him. All right, here's our lightning round questions. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, number one, who's your go-to pastor, dead or alive, to listen to? Um, is do I only have to pick one? You get one. I get one to listen to, to listen to. Wow. Um, I I would say one of the most impactful pastors that I've listened to over the years uh, was Damian Kyle from Calvary Chapel Modesto. Yeah, he's actually he was, been one of the popular choices when I've asked guys that they really yeah, like Damian. Yeah. 
Yeah. And obviously that's not the only one, but, but I would say in some of my more formative years of learning as a, as a pastor teacher, Damien Kyle was uh, hugely impactful. All right. Number two, what's a recent good read, a book that you would suggest to other pastors like, Hey, this is one you should check out. Um, boy, you, you're putting me on the spot here. A, a recent good read. Um, wow. Can we come back to this one? <laughs> <laughs> How about a good read in general? One you would suggest to pastors? You know, I have loved all of, and they're not new, but I have loved all of the fresh faith, uh, fresh wind, fresh fire um, books um, by the uh, pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. Um, who um, His name is completely out of my brain right now. Come on, you guys. Uh, people have Google. They'll be able to find yeah, it. We're not, <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Incredible book. Okay. Uh, last question is, what is I'll one piece... It, by the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> after, after we're done. After like, we're oh, done, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is uh, one piece of advice you have for someone who either wants to get into full-time ministry or is in full-time ministry? Do what you can do and don't try to do what you can't do. That's probably one of the biggest challenges that I find for pastors starting out or pastors of smaller churches uh, is that they're trying to they're trying to meet too many needs. They're trying to be the church that is going to have all of the offerings that people are looking to have. And you you know you can only see so many people walk away from your church because they'll say, "Well, we're going to go to a church. We need to go to a church where they have a youth group." Or we need to go to a church where they have, you know, this or that. And that's very demoralizing over a period of time. And so pastors are under great pressure to try to be what they are not and do what they really are not equipped to do. And it causes great pressure. It fosters burnout and discouragement. Um, and yeah. it puts pressure on the people that you're joined or linked with to do ministry with. And so... The, one of the things I tell pastors over and over again is just do what you can do. Do what the Lord has enabled you to do, but be careful. Don't go beyond that. Thanks so much, Paul. That's great advice. All right. I appreciate coming on the show, man. I uh, look forward to hanging out with you. Uh, you'll be at the pastor's conference here in the next month. I sure hope so. All right. I'm, All right. <laughs> good to see you, man. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. God bless. Right. God bless you. The EQ Podcast is here as a resource for our listeners. Check us out at eqministry.com. On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless. God bless.